Hello, this is Rabbi Rob Doberson, and welcome to this edition of Wrestling and Dreaming. On many occasions over the history of this podcast, I've shared Midrash. The word Midrash means interpretation, textual interpretation of stories in the Torah, in the Bible in general. The rabbis of our tradition use the process of Midrash to interpret the stories, to learn more about them, and to, in fact, uh, in fact, expand them in creative and meaningful ways. Now, some Midrash deals not with the stories in the Torah, but with the laws of the Torah, with the commandments. Jewish law is, in many cases, derived through the process of Midrash from laws that appear in the Torah. But, as I mentioned before, stories, narratives in the Torah, are also the subject of Midrash. As long as it can be connected to the text in some way, a story told by the rabbis is not just an Agadah, a legend, but becomes a Midrash Agadah. An Agadah, a legend that's based upon some wording in the text. Now that basis, that connection, may be quite flimsy, may not be 100% convincing. In fact, often it is not convincing. But still, it shows that the rabbis are working from the text to expand the story. Why would they do that? First of all, I, I can give you two reasons, and then I'm going to give you today's example. The first reason they may do that is because they feel there's a story, there's a question in the story that's unanswered. And by telling a story about the story, even if it's a created, and, and it is in this case, a, a, a completely created story, it's a way of showing they were concerned about the same question and giving you a possible answer to it. The other reason they could do this is because they feel it teaches us an important lesson. And the example that I'm going to give to you today serves both of those. First of all, it answers a question that could plague you if you read the story in the text, could really bother you. So they tell a story to explain an answer to that question. And secondly, it's perhaps some good guidance for us in our day-to-day -day life. So let's look at what the story is first from the Torah, then the interpretation. We read this week Parshat Vayigash. It's the pivotal moment in the story of Joseph and his brothers where Joseph reveals his identity to his brothers. Just to give you the background, of course, Joseph is in Egypt. His brothers have come down to Egypt for the second time to get food because there's a famine in Canaan. This time, however, they brought Benjamin with them, the youngest child, Joseph's full brother. And that was not an easy thing to do because Jacob, the father, didn't want to see Benjamin go down to Egypt because he was afraid he would lose him as he lost his other cherished son, Joseph, years before. Joseph keeps Benjamin as a hostage. He still hasn't, he still hasn't uh, revealed his identity to his brothers. He keeps him as a hostage, as a, as a prisoner, because they framed him. They put a silver goblet in Joseph's food bag, in Benjamin's food bag as he's going up to Canaan, and Joseph sends his uh, police, so to speak, to uh, inspect their bags when the uh, goblet turns out missing. They find it in Benjamin's bag, and Benjamin is kept as a prisoner because of it. 
at this point, at the beginning of the portion, Judah comes up. Judah, one of the older brothers, comes up, draws near to Joseph, and pleads for Benjamin's release. He begins with the words, My Lord asked his servant, Have you a father or another brother? We told my Lord, we told you, Joseph, we have an older father, and there's a child of his old age, the youngest. His full brother is dead, so that he alone is left of his mother, and his father dotes on him. You told us to bring him down to you so that you could see him. We said we couldn't do that because his father would die. But you said you wouldn't want to see us again unless that younger brother was with us. So we did exactly what you said. We brought him down. But I have sworn to my father that I would bring Benjamin back. I would be the surety. I would be the insurance policy. So in essence, take me and let Benjamin go back. It's at that point that Joseph reveals his identity to his brothers. He says, Ani Yosef ha'od avichai. I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? I want you to come down with me. Don't worry about what happened before because it was God, in fact, that arranged this whole thing, not you. This is the way it was supposed to be. And that's the end of this part of the story. So what perhaps bothered the rabbis? Well, I think one of the things that might have bothered the rabbis and might bother us when we read it is that, was it really possible for Joseph to be so even-tempered as to just listen to his brother Judah plead and say, okay, I'm your brother Joseph, all has been forgotten. It takes an awful lot of uh, self-control or an awful lot of kindness to his brothers to say, we're not going to think about the past, everything is fine. Where's the anger? Where's the fury? Where's, where's the resentment? that Joseph must have felt for having been thrown into the pit and sold as slave and been in prison just because of his brother's actions. Of course, everything worked out well. Joseph was in a much better place now than he would have been back in Canaan. He's in power, he's in control, but still, they were harrowing years. So the question is, could Joseph have been that uh, sanguine, we might say? Could he have been that even tempered about it to just say, I'm Joseph, let's, let's be friends. According to the rabbis, in many cases, yes, he could do that. Because, in fact, he believed that God had, in fact, arranged all this. And, in fact, he had gotten the brothers to bow down to him as his dreams back in Canaan indicated they would. And, in fact, they did tshuva, according to the rabbis. They repented for what they had done. Because in a previous chapter, we read that the brothers said we were guilty. They said to each other, not knowing Joseph was listening, we're guilty for having thrown him into the pit. But some of the rabbis, I think, weren't satisfied with that. They said Joseph must have still had some resentment. So in a collection of texts from the fourth century called Midrash Tanhuma, there is this fantastic story that's told that's put on top of, so to speak, the story in the Torah. And it begins as the story of the Torah says, with Judah coming up to Joseph and saying, you asked us whether we had an older, uh, a younger brother. You asked us all of these questions. Who are you? Who is your father? Where do you come from, etc.? 
And the Midrash goes like this. The Agadah, the legend, Midrash Agadah goes like this. And I'm going to summarize it very quickly. It goes into a lot more detail than this. And if you're really interested in finding the source for it, I can, I can send it to you. Send me uh, an email or a Facebook message or, or through my website at robdoberson.com. So here's the Midrash in general. Judah, instead of just coming up to Joseph and reminding him that they had honestly answered his questions, in fact's sake, of all of the people that came down to Egypt, did you ask them any of these questions? You singled us out. It's like you, we were asking to marry your daughter or something. You challenged us with all of these questions. Why did you do that? Why did you treat us differently? And he says it according to this Midrash with a lot of resentment. Joseph's answer is, Judah, I'm looking in my crystal ball and I see that you're not the oldest son. Why are you saying this to me? Why not let one of the older brothers speak? And he says, because I swore to my father that I would be a surety for Benjamin, that I would, take, I would promise that I would bring him back safely. And Joseph says, it's funny, you made that promise about Benjamin but you didn't make that promise about your other brother, of course, meaning himself, who you threw into a pit. Now, of course, the story is not logical because how would Joseph, that would in fact reveal Joseph's identity to them right away that he knew that story, but leave that aside for the moment. It's just a legend. And Judah is furious because Joseph refuses to return Benjamin. And so he threatens. He says, I am going to paint the entire country of Egypt, the entire kingdom in blood. And Joseph says to him calmly, according to the Sagata, this legend, yeah, you were always good painters. You threw your brother into a pit and you painted his coat of many colors with animal blood and you brought it to your father and lied to him. Judah then just gets more angry. He says, what am I going to tell my father? And Joseph says, tell him that the rope followed the bucket. In other words, that's the way it happens. What comes around goes around, or however you want to say it. And Judah is furious. He says, I'm getting hot with anger. And Joseph says, that heat is not the heat of anger. That's the heat of passion you had for your daughter-in-law, Tamar, which is a story from last week's Torah portion, two weeks ago's Torah portion, which is just a horrible story. And Judah is furious. And he threatens to just completely destroy all of Egypt. And Joseph says, wait a minute. You know something? Your brother is here with me. I have him right here with me. I'm going to call him. And he starts saying, according to this legend again, Joseph, son of Jacob, come in, come in. Let your, let, come see your brothers. And the brothers turn pale and they, they look for Joseph. And finally, Joseph looks and says, Ani Yosef. I am Joseph. Ha'od Avichai is my father still alive. And according to the story, the brothers faint. And it's only when they're revived that Joseph is willing to talk with them calmly and about the future together. What's the point of the story? The point of the story, in addition to being a great, great fabrication, a great uh, um, uh, legend, is that Joseph needs to get his anger out before he can be uh, comfortable talking to his brothers calmly and peacefully. He has to get his anger out. He can't talk to them peacefully. So what does he do? He, this whole discussion takes place, but I don't believe 
in looking at the story that the rabbis thought the discussion actually took place. I think they thought this was going on in Joseph's mind. That Joseph, before he revealed his identity to his brothers, had to go through a process of catharsis in a way, of releasing his anger. And he could best do it by, in fact, imagining a conversation, getting his anger out, imagining both sides of the conversation, and say, now I feel better. I've gotten that off my chest privately. Now I'm going to be kind and peaceful to my brothers. The reality is that Joseph needed to express his anger. But he also knew what the, what the, the ramifications of expressing it directly to his brothers might be. In addition to everything else, embarrassment in Egypt to have a conflict with his brothers. So he instead was peaceful to them, but only after he got it out of his system. And he got it out of his system, I think, through this imaginary conversation. Think about it. Let's think about our own lives. There are times when we really want to say something to somebody, whoever that somebody may be. I like to think the easiest example is a boss. We really want to say to our employer something about what's going on, something about how we feel we were treated. And we really need to have that conversation. But if we have it with anger, if we have it with fury, if we have it as an emotionally con emotional con charged con conversation, there are ramifications for that. So what sometimes we do, and I know I do this, is I imagine the conversation taking place. That's why, that's what some of my conversations were when, are when I, when I walk our dog, thinking about the things I'd like to say to somebody, but I know I shouldn't say them because it's going to cause more harm than good. And so if I feel I have to say something to somebody, I want to say it objectively. I want to say it clearly. I want to say it calmly. I want to say it in a positive way. And so I work out the anger and I work out the, the, the negativity before and the emotion before, and then address the individual and then can do so in a more productive way. So what do we see here? The rabbis are answering a question. They're answering the question of how could Joseph have been so, so dispassionate, let's say, in just saying, I'm Joseph. Is my father still alive? Come live with me. Let's live like brothers. There had to be some release. And that release takes place before this in his own imagination. So he was angry. But he got rid of that anger because he knew there was going to be something positive that could come out of his relationship with his brothers. And they teach us a lesson. To the extent that we can, in our everyday life, when we have an issue with someone else, it's often much better to deal with it in a calm, sensible, logical manner, rather than to have it be completely, completely charged with anger, with emotion, and with conflict. Because in fact, in the end, it can be much more productive that way. Think about it. It's a great, great Agatha, a great legend. And until next time, thank you.